Stay tuned to the end of the show to find out how you can hear exclusive bonus content. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show with G-Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, you want a Jeep, or you've never driven anything but Jeeps. The show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Well, Tammy, I've seen more rusty bumper pictures from your Facebook page. Will you be spending this weekend working on that rust? Tammy? Yeah, uh, Tony, I, I think Tammy's not here this week. What the hell? She's gone again? Well, at least you'll never leave me, Josh. Uh, Tony, we might need to have a little talk after the show. Hey, and uh, speaking of the show, <laughs> hey, what do we have for this week? Oh, no, it's, this is never good. Well, Tammy. Josh. Yeah, whatever. On this episode, we'll hear from our extra special guest, Tom, which turned out to be Don from Jeep Tech. Uh, this week in Jeep, you know, Josh must give us some of that, uh, uh, Jeep truck love info and, uh, we'll hear from our loyal listener. That's in air quotes about my bad language. Uh, Nikki G actually blames a bad joke on his dog. Sound familiar? And, uh, hang in to the end of the show for our campfire side chat. Now, uh, how often should you change the oil and your weekend warrior is in Jeep tech and of course, much, much more. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Did you miss the whole Black Friday and Cyber Monday thing? Well, you're not the only one. Fred not my jeeping friend, we've got your back. All you need to do is visit our site. Once there, click on the big Amazon logo there, and you'll be whisked away to a magical wonderland of endless gift ideas. Jeep parts, tools, and bacon-flavored diff fluid. Okay, maybe not the last one. But whatever you decide you want to buy, a small percentage of that order will be donated to the Jeep Talk Show. Want to help us out this holiday season? Then click the Amazon logo on our site first and shop away. Well, we've been talking about it for weeks, and it's finally come and gone. The big LA Auto Show where the long-anticipated worldwide debut of the new Jeep pickup was going to happen. We talked about it, but unfortunately, the Jeep Talk Show just doesn't have the bank account to get the host down there for a first-hand look ourselves. However. Friends of the show, Extreme Terrain, went down there in force with Ryan Huck and their video crew, who got a chance to sit down with head of the Jeep brand himself, Tim Kanuskis, for a no-holds-barred interview and to get some inside details behind the first Jeep pickup in nearly 30 years. The Jeep's debut and unveiling itself was really nothing short of stunning. With effects and pyrotechnics that a rock show would, uh, would be jealous of, FCA really knocked it out of the park on this one. Now, I don't want to spoil it for you, so I'm going to let it speak for itself. The videos of it are all over online, and we'll, of course, have a link to the video from Extreme Terrain in the show notes for this episode. But let's go ahead and get into some of the nitty-gritty details behind this long-awaited new vehicle from Jeep. The official numbers are finally out, and it's been confirmed this new Jeep pickup will be a true workhorse, as we've hoped for all along. The Rubicon trim package is really where it's all at, but more on that in a little bit. One of the big details not known till now is that the pickup will not have a walkthrough or a pass-through cab to bed like many had hoped for. 
The rear sliding window is reminiscent of older trucks from yesteryear with a small square foot sized sliding opening right in the middle, but it does have defrost lines going all the way across. The soft top storage came into question as of all the debuted models either had no top or they were sporting a hard top. Where the soft top will fold and store seems to be right behind your head, about halfway up the curved roll bar that is molded into the C-pillars. Also, not a very attractive design, but is more function than it is form. The tailgate in all options will have a pneumatic assist so the tailgate won't ever just slam down on that tape measure you forgot on the rear bumper. Another standard feature is going to be a rolling tonneau cover. I think this standard option was more for improved aerodynamics across the rear of the vehicle than anything else, but it's an attractive feature nonetheless. It's also unsure as to whether or not the bed will come with a factory spray-on bed liner, as we saw all the models at the auto show they all had. You'll, of course, uh, have a factory tow hitch and a large set of tow hooks to yank or haul whatever you can from the rear. And keeping to the rear of the new Jeep pickup, we see that the spare tire is mounted under the bed, as is with most trucks nowadays. Oh, and it's a full-size matching 33-inch tire, so no donut for the JT. The tailgate also has a very large embossed Jeep logo outlined in red for the Rubicon models. Very attractive. The tailgate also has a, view, a rear view facing camera right in the middle. A bit obtrusive if you ask me. Looks kind of like an Audi belly button and seems a little bit out of place. I think mounting it above the license plate would have been a much better option versus integrating it into the body uh, lines of the you know, rear bed or the rear tailgate rather. But this is likely going to be addressed in future models. The locking tailgate handle is another nice feature, as is the integrated third taillight into the handle recess, and it is here that I foresee the camera being moved to in future models. Okay, as I promised, we got some new specs. We know that the new JT will be shipped with a 3.6 liter engine for the 2019 model year, and an optional 3 liter eco diesel that puts out a massive 442 foot-pounds of torque, but that's not coming until 2020. So, if any of you are looking to get a new Jeep Gladiator as a toy hauler, well, you may want to wait a year for the much more powerful diesel option to come out. Jeep designed this truck using many of the design cues from the JL, but this isn't just a Wrangler with a bed slapped on it. In fact, this is the main reason that FCA went with the Gladiator name instead of what we had assumed would be a Scrambler name badge. Now, if you remember, the Scrambler was merely just a Wrangler with a bed slapped on it. This truck, however, is not that, and more closely resembles the full-size Jeeps of long ago, hence why they resurrected the Gladiator name. Just like the Gladiator of the 60s and 70s, this new model is all truck. The Rubicon will, of course, come with the off-road prowess you'd expect a Jeep to come with, with the RockTrack 84-to-1 transfer case, 33-inch tall tires, stock, front and rear locking differentials, dis disconnectable sway bar, and a new feature that is really going to uh, put the Rubicon JT apart from any other truck on the market. And that's a little feature called high-speed off-road mode, which just hearing it starts to get the juices going, doesn't it? Enabling this mode allows, allows you to go a lot faster in two-wheel drive with the rear locker engaged and the front sway bar still connected. This will enable, you, enable the toy hauler in you to take that truck out to the middle of the dunes to deploy those bikes and have a blast getting it there. This is going to position the Rubicon JT to be much more efficient for what it was designed for, being a hauler, and letting the JL, the Wrangler, remain as the off-road crawler in the family. The Rubicon JT will come with a set of Fox shocks that are tuned specifically for this model of Jeep, but if that's not enough for you, the JT will be released with over 200 Mopar-authorized aftermarket options to really customize your truck, including the most asked-for option, a lift kit but it's not the Ram 1500 lift kit that many were thinking it was going to be. 
Going off the early rumors, JT was going to be sharing a lot with the Ram 1500. Not true at all, in fact. The JT shares almost nothing of the Ram platform, but more closely resembles the JL. If you're hoping for a V8 option, well, it's not going to happen. The problem with putting a V8 into the Wrangler is it takes just too much room in the engine bay. Despite it fitting just fine, putting a V8 under the hood of a Wrangler or a JT removes the crumple zone that a vehicle needs to pass the NHTSA crash tests. But that's where the aftermarket comes in. However, with the diesel on the horizon, while well, capable of putting out just as much, if not more, torque than a V8 swap, well, there might be no reason at all to go down that road anymore to begin with. So, what do you guys think? What do you think? Visit the show notes for this episode. See the video for yourself and give us your impressions of the Jeep's brand new truck. So, what you're saying is uh, all that uh, crap you were saying about the Gladiator name, you were wrong. I was. It's okay. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to admit it. <laughs> the one time that I've been wrong. No, I, I was a little butthurt about Gladiator. But now that you know we've, we've had the, the head of the Jeep brand come out and start talking about why they did this, we finally get some actual reasoning behind this. It really does make a lot more sense. And, and even though you know we were kind of hoping for uh, you know another name, the Gladiator really does fit a lot more. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad they kind of went with that way. I was a little butthurt about it in the, in the beginning, but, uh, you know, it, all things kind of worked out. So, well, you're nice for pointing out that I, I also was jumping on that bandwagon about the, uh, the name. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll just mention that because I didn't like the name either. It just made sense. And, uh, you know, for it to be the scrambler, uh, you know, or, or maybe a Comanche Comanche would have been nice. Uh, a nice tip of the hat to the, uh, the old, uh, XJ type of, uh, truck, the last truck that, uh, that uh, Jeep made, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it, it, the thing looks strange to me. I think it's because it's so long, and the uh, and I'm sure you've read it too uh, on the social media. People are hating on the the uh, departure angle because the bed hanging yeah. so far back off those rear wheels. Now I, I know the um, the lift kit is going to address a little bit of that. Um, you know, there uh, obviously some aftermarket bumpers may bring that that rear in a little bit closer. Um, you know, so you don't have quite as much bumper hanging off the rear. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, of things coming. You know, this is again the first Jeep truck in 30 oh, years. Yeah. They're not gonna you know knock it out of the park right off the bat. It's not gonna you know impress everybody uh, with every last feature. I foresee a few things getting uh, tweaked and modified a little bit over the years as this model improves and evolves. So hopefully departure angle and 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 possibly some other things are going to be some stuff that they will address moving forward with design options. Well, you know, it may, it may be five years or so before we see it happening, although there are people out there with lots of money that may do it sooner than that. But uh, you know somebody's going to bob that tail and uh, mm. suck, suck in that, uh, that whole tail and get it really yeah. close to the rear wheel. Man, that's going to really look nice. And then put a roll bar uh, in the back of that bed where you can actually mount a spare tire. Because I think that's one of the reasons why it's, uh, the bed is as long as it is, so they can put that full-size spare up underneath uh, the, uh, the bed. Very possible. You know, I was hoping that maybe they would take a cue from uh, you know, some of the older models and, and put the spare tire on the side of the bed. Uh, you know, kind of like what we've that seen in the past, cool. but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit old school, probably a little too old school. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, the, the it uh, really read well with uh, some of the d- design groups that they, they passed that by. But uh, yeah, I'm really curious to see how this is going to end up, uh, you know, evolving over the years. And I'm very curious to see what the aftermarket's going to produce. Now, there was one question that kind of didn't really get answered all that clearly. Um, and, and Ryan Huck had asked uh, the head of the Jeep brand 
what's up with a two-door Jeep truck. Yeah. And there was some beating around the bush. There wasn't really a, a definitive answer, kind of moved on to the next thing a little bit. So, uh, you know, whether or not that's going to be in the works or in the future, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but there's definitely a question there for it. Um, and I, it sounds at least, you know, kind of judging off of body language and facial expressions and stuff like that, that they may be working on something, oh. but they don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. There was a lot that was leaked about the Gladiator probably way too early or a lot earlier than they wanted to. Um, uh, you know, so that we're probably going to be keeping some future designs or design options or possibly even something like a two door option, uh, under very, very tight wraps, at least until we get a little closer to something like that debuting. Now, which one would you want to go with, uh, Josh, a four door or a two door? Oh, two door. Absolutely. Um, now I would imagine that they wouldn't do a two door with a very, very tight cab. I would imagine it would be a two door that has a little bit of room behind the seats. Yeah. Um, almost like an extended cab, you know, right. but not quite. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I foresee that in the future. I hope it's going to be in the future because I'm with you on this one. The, the JT in with the four door and, and the bed that it has on it just seems a little bit long. Uh, so what they do in the future, uh, who knows? It looks strange seeing a Jeep that's that long. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, you go back to the sixties and seventies, uh, Jeeps were much bigger, but when mm -hmm. you, when you see a Wrangler nose and then you see just from the side, how long that thing is, it's just, it's very strange looking. And I'm sure it's like most things you get used to it over a period of time. It's just not what you're used to seeing. Now, well, I remember when, when the JKs, when the JKUs first came out, I mean, the yeah. first four-door Wrangler, this thing just looked like an abomination. I mean, who puts four doors on a Wrangler? Come on, that's not what you, that's, you know, but it's grown on you over the years and it kind of be, has become more of the norm. Uh, so how this will kind of develop, I, I don't know, but it does seem to have a extremely large fan base. There was a lot of buzz about this in the media over the last week or so. This is big news in the automotive world. So yeah. with the new JT truck coming out, I can't wait till my local dealership gets one. Well, and, and if you were like me, and I think you too, Josh, uh, whenever the, the new Cherokee came out and then the Renegade came out, and uh, these are not traditional Jeeps uh, and, 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 and made me concerned for the direction that Jeep was going to go. But yeah. when coming out with a JL, which is very much a, uh, a Jeep, and uh, now with a Jeep truck, which is very much a Jeep, uh, mm -hmm. I, I feel a lot more comfortable about the direction that uh, Jeep's going as a company. Now, let, I me, do let, me, well, let, yeah. let me ask you this question, and, mm -hmm. and you don't have to answer, but uh, if you do, I want you to answer honestly. All right. When somebody, uh, when you see this and you know it's going to happen, Somebody's going to have a nice, brand-new Rubicon JT Jeep, and they're going to be towing a beautiful, lifted, everything, and it's mama attached to a uh, JK, uh, JK or JKU Rubicon Wrangler, you know, that it's actually the, on, on the, the trailer behind it. Are mm -hmm. you going to key it? Are you going to do some sort of vandalism just oh, because God, it's no. Rubicon on I'm gonna, Rubicon? I'm going to pump my fist. I'm going to give him a thumbs up. I'll be like, hell yeah, buddy. Rock on. Look at you go. Now, in fact, actually, one of the promotional one of the promotional um, uh, snippets, a uh, GIF, a uh, picture, I forgot exactly how they presented it during the debut, but one of the one of the images that they, they presented during the debut, during the unveiling at the auto show, was one of these JT trucks pulling a trailer with a Wagoneer on it. Yeah, that was cool. That was pretty cool. So, I mean, a full-sized V8 Jeep, that's going to weigh a lot more than just about any Wrangler out there. And and it was towing it just fine, or so it seemed. Right. Now, obviously, it was just a static image or, or whatever. It's a promotional image, yada, yada. It could be Photoshopped, whatever. But this truck has been designed to do that. 
this is this with a I, I forgot what exactly what they said. It was something like 7,500 pounds of, of towing capability or something like that. Plenty of towing capacity to, to tow a trailer with a Jeep on it. So this is not going to be, you know, um, your little brother's uh, Jeep pickup. This is going to be a true workhorse like we've hoped for all along. And what a great overlanding platform. I mean, oh. with, with all the Toyotas and stuff that, you know, where, where people go with the larger vehicles for overlanding. This is going to make a huge difference, I think, in the overlanding uh, about people uh, going with Jeeps. You can you can well imagine, yeah, you can well imagine uh, how uh, I'm, I'm man, I'm brain farting on the guy's name in Africa. Um, Dan Greck. Yeah, Dan Greck. You can imagine Dan Greck looking at this going, oh, damn, now that's a Jeep I'd need. I should have waited for one of those. No, <laughs> no, no be, he's going he's he's to do a trip 2.0, and uh, he's going to do it in one of these. <laughs> Antarctica, yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I foresee uh, seeing a lot more of these on the on the freeways with a camper bed, you know, a camper um, in, the, in, the, in the bed mm-hmm. and, a, and a trailer with another Jeep on the back of it. I'd give it two or three years, and I think that's going to be all you're going to see at the staging areas. You know, with with a, a nice lift, I think it'll make a big difference in the way this thing looks. Uh, well, that's it, just is We haven't seen, you know, really but a hair of these 200 aftermarket parts from Mopar yeah. that they're offering with this, including the lift kit. We have not seen one of these lifted yet. So there is a bunch of really attractive options that they have for these things that they're sort of saving as that cherry on top. Um, that I'm expecting we're going to be seeing a lot uh, coming up in the marketing that we're going to be seeing with this new uh, Jeep truck moving into the new year. Oh, and Josh, what uh, the? I'm sure you saw uh, pictures of uh, the JT truck when it first came mm-hmm. out. Do you recall what color the 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 first JT that you saw was? Green. Oh wait, you mean the promotional pictures? Yeah, the red one. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it was all green because they were trying to do the gladiator thing again, but then everybody was going, no, it's going to be the scrambler. And that's when we started seeing the, the, the red images coming out with the, with like the Photoshopped JL images with a truck bed on it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The first one I saw personally was the green images that were all kind of dark that had that gladiator theme to it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, t-shirt. I, I'm sorry. I keep going on. There's one more thing about this. I think it was a concept vehicle that uh, for, yeah. the, for the JT truck, and it had the Gladiator yeah. nose. Now, yes. I would love – I'm not a fan of that look, but it really looked cool on a modern-day vehicle. It was a smaller nose, but it had that yeah. – you know that I would love to see an aftermarket company come up with a – you know, instead of angry eyes, you get the, the Gladiator oh, nose. Oh, yeah, you just re- you replace the grill, the header panel, uh, you know, and you, get, and you get, you know, this look to it. And it really says Gladiator. Not that of an option. Yeah, yeah it says Gladiator honest. on the side, and it's a big tip of the hat to the Gladiator of years past. That that that'll be really cool. Somebody's going to do that. And just send me the check for the idea. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. just remember where you heard <laughs> we'll take it. Take royalties, thank you. <laughs> no, but really, uh, you, you got to see the video of the debut of the new Jeep truck, uh, new Jeep truck for yourself. It is amazing. It gave me goosebumps. Really, the first couple few minutes of it when they were talking about you know sort of how and why and what. And the lights all kind of went off and there was this music and the pyrotechnics and flash, there's the truck. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> this is pretty cool. So you guys got to check out the video. We'll have the link to it in the show notes for this episode. Be sure to check it out and be sure to let us know what you thought. Oh, and uh, no idea on price yet, right? Uh, well, there's been some some uh, back and forth about it. No, we don't have an official price tag yet, um, but uh, I imagine that's going to be released here in the next couple of weeks. 
Hey, if you guys have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to JeepTalkShow.com and find out how. Hey, and coming up later in the show, we've got an interview with Jeep Tech. Uh, it's Tom, Don. No, it's well, it's one of the guys. Well, <laughs> we got the Jeep Tech here. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, how often should you change the oil in your weekend warrior? And and, and you're talking about a vehicle here, not like a, a, a National Guard guy, right? Yeah, right. You don't <laughs> want to change his oil. <laughs> Get out of there. Oh, God. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And we'd like for you guys to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network. If you haven't been there in a while, well, there's some new stuff there. Next time you're online, just pop over to 4 x 4 radionetwork.com real easy all one word there you'll see the jeep talk show there of course but we've got something for just about everybody we've got the 4x4 podcast there the center steer podcast the trail chasers podcast and our newest member the on the trail podcast putting out new shows all the time go check it out 4x4 radionetwork.com oh and coming up later in the show it's going to be nikki g you know you don't you can't go a week without some nikki g Hey guys, this is a loyal listener calling from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, I was riding in the car trying to listen to the Jeep Talk Show coming home from Thanksgiving on the East Coast. And uh, the kids heard the four-letter word come out of Tony's mouth. Anyway, hope you guys keep it clean so I can keep playing in front of the family. Thanks, guys. Well, loyal, if you don't mind me calling calling you by your first name, <laughs> we love that you took the time to let us know that you heard a not-so-kid-friendly word from our show, specifically me. But, uh, you know, we're well overdue in reminding our uh, our audience and you that our show is rated explicit. Now, uh, we're not going to tell anyone how to raise their children, but we do recommend that even when, you're n- when we're not dropping the four-letter expl- expletives, that the conversation here is often of an adult nature. You know, we strive for family friendly, but we can be explicit. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we, you know, get a little excited, uh, let one fly. Uh, we don't have the FCC uh, breathing down our necks. So we don't quite have the regulations and stuff that uh, typical radio stations and radio shows do. Uh, so we uh, sometimes run a little bit looser of a ship. We do try and keep things family friendly. PG 13, 99.9% of the time. And occasionally, uh, we let something slip by. We apologize to anybody that we've offended. And uh, as always, uh, you know, we'll try and work on things in the future. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, the, the most important thing is is that uh, I just I wouldn't listen to the Jeep Talk show around your kids. Just wouldn't. If you want to, that's fine. Now, they do make, and, and surprisingly, you can get it from uh, Amazon, these little Bluetooth uh, earpieces. So Because you, when you're driving, you don't want to cover up both ears. But you can put one of those earpieces, one of those Bluetooth earpieces in one ear, and listen to the show, and you won't have to worry about the kids hearing anything. You just have to worry about them going, why are you laughing? What would they, what'd they say? I, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> what does he mean by F that, Daddy? <laughs> and my personal preference is that you wouldn't have your kids listen to the show because I don't think it's a good show to have uh, kids listen to. You got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever we have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Well, like Tony has mentioned, a big question is when to change the oil on a weekend warrior. In fact, we had a uh, listener write in, Gary C. from Illinois. He wrote in and says, I have a 78 CJ7 that I only drive about 1,000 miles across a span of about five months out of the year. I store it in the winter months in a heated garage. So how often should I change the oil? Well, Gary, recommended oil change intervals vary from vehicle to vehicle, engine to engine, and even from driver to driver. 
Modern engines with tighter tolerances can typically go much longer between oil changes than their older counterparts. The oil change interval for older engines, such as any of the engines that were available in your 78 CJ7, is every 6,000 miles or 60 days. Now, depending on driving conditions, obviously. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be changing the oil every two months as the Jeep sits through the winter, right? I mean, you'd be draining and recycling perfectly good engine oil in the dead of winter for the sake of... what exactly? It's not like the oil is going to spoil. So in the case of Gary here, I'm going to recommend something that may have some of you out there gasping in shock. Gary, consider changing your oil just once a year. <gasps> I know, I know. I can hear some of you out there reaching for an oil filter wrench to chuck at my head as we speak. But let me explain. I'm recommending Gary change the oil and performing all of the regular maintenance prior to putting the Jeep away each winter. This way, the Jeep won't have any debris buildup settling at the bottom of the oil pan. It will help reduce sludge in the long run, and your Jeep will be ready to hit the road or the trail for the following spring with little to no work needed at all. Now, if you're on a real tight budget or if you're a little bit more frugal when it comes to buying and recycling motor oil, well, consider changing the oil every two to three years. Now, if you really only see a thousand miles a year, then, well, after three years, you'll just be hitting the 3,000 mile interval everybody else adheres to nowadays as far as oil change goes. So even though the oil will likely still be very clean after 900 miles over three years, well, there's a chance it could be just the opposite. Now, let's say all 1,000 of those miles are done at 5,000 RPM in a mud bog or across miles of sand dunes or dusty trails. Well, even the best air filter in the world can't guard against some of that getting into your system. Putting, in a, putting a Jeep in storage can invite other contaminants into the engine oil besides dirt as well. Water in the form of condensation can make its way into the engine you know, quite easily, actually. It happens to almost every engine over time, especially in colder, wetter climates. But regularly starting and letting the engine warm up boils off the invading H2O. If the vehicle sits, that water in the engine can cause rust to form and make its way into the oil. Parking the Jeep indoors in a controlled environment will reduce the chances of this being an issue more so than if the Jeep was parked in an uncontrolled environment like a storage unit or a barn or under a carport where it's out in the elements. If you live in a dry area or park the Jeep in a controlled environment and almost never take the Jeep into the dirt, well, you could very easily stick to making oil changes every 6,000 miles and you'll likely be just fine, aside from a little bit of sludge buildup at the bottom of the oil pan. Although, if you care enough to park the Jeep for a winter to save the body from rust and stuff, well, don't you think you should show the engine a little bit of love, too? Additives can help with preventing sludge buildup and stabilization, and choosing a good quality motor oil will also help out. Keeping up with routine maintenance and being sure to fix any leaks as soon as they develop will also be real key here. That and storing the Jeep in a controlled environment, starting it up and letting it come up to temp a few times throughout the winter will ensure that the motor will be likely and be ready to fire up every spring for decades to come. I hope this helps you out, Gary, and be sure to keep the rubber side down. So when you're storing a, a vehicle, any vehicle, but in this case a Jeep, over the winter, uh, would you recommend disconnecting the battery so it doesn't uh, get uh, the power, the uh, current doesn't get drawn down over a period of time? Or... Uh, I noticed that uh, when I was off for a week uh, at Thanksgiving, that my mm -hmm. uh, my Jeep actually had a hard time. Uh, it it didn't just rapidly start up. It was a bit mm -hmm. a bit boggy when I first started it. So that was only after a week. Now I, I have some things that are on, like a uh, OBD2 uh, thing that's always plugged in, and I've got that temperature sensor uh, that's that has a light on it all the time. It's LED. It's not pulling much. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure those things help uh, help draw draw the yeah. uh, the current down. But uh, how often, basically, how often should they should they be starting the engine? Do you think? 
It really depends on the battery size. Uh, an old CJ7 like that is not going to have a very large battery and is likely not going to be ha uh, not like going to have a, a battery that has a lot of uh, storage capacity. Uh, you know, cold cranking amps in the 800,000 you know range or so. Now, if they got an Optima in there or a dry cell AGM type of battery or something like that, well, then I take that back. But you know, typically speaking. Your standard lead acid car battery, if it sits for you know two or three months, um, even in storage, now we're talking about through the dead of winter here. Mm -hmm. If it's if the temperature yeah. is allowed to get down, and, and if it's not a heated garage or something like that, well, in that case, that battery can go dead very quickly, especially if it's left hooked up and there's any kind of a draw at all. And I'm talking about at all, meaning uh, like the uh, the memory for your stereo. Even right. that's why you'll see a lot of uh, you know like boats or or race cars or um, uh, you know, hot rods and stuff. Vehicles that don't get driven a lot, that only come out every so often. They'll have a major, uh, uh, a main battery disconnect, a big, very large red switch that gets turned or flipped, and that disconnects the entire main bus to the vehicle. The battery is still hooked up. You don't have to get in there with tools. You don't have to worry about hooking cables up back and forth and all that sort of stuff. You just turn a big knob and, and you're done. Uh, that's for a reason, and that's uh, primarily to keep the juice in that battery where it belongs so that you can come back in the spring, turn that knob, and the Jeep will fire right up. Yeah, I would be concerned uh, with uh, with condensation uh, in the the oil pan like you were talking about, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I was asking how often would you, would you start it up. I would almost think that the, the good thing to do would be to change the oil uh, but right before you start using it for the new season, that way you, if there's any water in there, you get it out. But uh, it does make sense if you start it up regularly. I just don't know if people actually follow through on that, um, and, and and where they may be with uh, oil and rust uh, at the, uh, you know, when they go to start using the the vehicle. So. Um, you're, you're right, Tony. I know a lot of people that uh, every year, you know, they got to call somebody for a jump or they're breaking out the jump pack or whatever because they let the Jeep sit for too long um, or the bike or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and they've got they come out to a dead battery. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of other things. I mean, you can you could do a trickle charger uh, would also be a, a great uh, addition to, you know, for something like that, where it's just putting in one or two amps a little bit of juice into that battery, just a slight little trickle of juice to kind of keep that that standard voltage, uh, that static voltage charge right where it needs to be. Um, you know, granted, you have to have, have something plugged in uh, that's running all the time. That might be something that you don't want to have, or maybe there's no electricity where you're storing the Jeep. Uh, that might not be an option for you, but that is probably one of the better options uh, next to an actual disconnect. Well, anything to add yourself? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Uh, shoot us a question or let us know about your build. And who knows, you might just have your question answered here on the air. The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. Hey, Jeepers. This is uh, Rob from Antonio, Texas. Hey, guys. It's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey, guys. This is Cody from Indiana. Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ Rick. Hi, guys. This is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey, guys. This is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show. This is Jason, Oregon Trail Off-Road. Hi. This is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. Hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, it's actually Jake Collin. This is John, Runner 1982, and on today's radio context segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, Manual Pro Restraint System. No! No. No. 
that's not right. We love our listeners. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, boys and girls, we've got another interview tonight. You know, we have new interviews every week. And, and just as I say that, we'll probably have a cancellation or something like next week or sometime, sometime soon, and I'll look like an idiot for saying it. But we, we strive to have new interviews every week, new guests every week. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking uh, to Don from Jeep Tech. Now, Don is an ASC certified tech and a Jeep and off-road enthusiast. He's been around or under a vehicle most of his life. You can find Don and all of the other great Jeep Tech folks over on Facebook. Now, you, you can find them just by searching uh, Facebook for Jeep Tech, and that's T-E-C-K, Jeep T-E-C-K. So, uh, you know, Don, I'm going to have to ask you about that spelling because, uh, you know, uh, uh, that kind of threw me off. But anyway, Don, thanks for being with the show, uh, and uh, we, uh, we really appreciate you making time for us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. That's for sure. All right, let's get into it. Um, Jeep Tech, why is it spelled so funky? <laughs> well, we're different by design. Decided a long time ago, looking around for advice or questions, and sometimes everybody's stumped or something, and you end up finding yourself at pick a model letter, then add form behind it. And it seems to be where questions go to die. <laughs> and you never can't get the right answer, or you get a thousand wrong answers. So we decided that uh, we really needed to give somebody a place where we had in really an open community to talk, to go to for advice. And we're spelled different because we offer a harassment and judgment-free zone. Oh, I like, love that. I, I don't care if you're a patriot or a new renegade or an old CJ. It doesn't matter. We have somebody there that can probably help you with just about any question you ask. So let me put you on the spot just right out of the chute. Uh, as a ASC certified tech, what do you think about these Fiat Jeeps? <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. We actually just put a lift on a uh, JL the other day, and I was kind of impressed with it. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't specify. When I think uh, a... When I think of a Fiat, I don't think about the Wrangler or the new Wrangler. I think about the, you know, the Cherokee, the new Cherokee, or the Renegade. Uh, the, those are the ones that I consider to be the Fiat Jeeps. Now, I, I'm sure you guys get questions about the, the Renegades, uh, and uh, do you have any problems coming up with that? Because I, I think they're pretty radically different than a generic Jeep. They're really, really different. And uh, I'm actually a big fan of the Renegade. My wife drives a Trailhawk. Okay. And where we live in northwestern Pennsylvania, we got seven foot of snow last year Christmas. Oh, that's nice. That sounds like fun. She, of course, I'm down in Texas. We never get snow, though, so I'd be excited about snow. <laughs> she drove around four-wheel drive trucks in that thing. I was completely amazed about how, how it handled. She's never had it off-road. It's her vehicle. It's her family ride, but I like it. I think it's built solid. really haven't had any problems with it. And how long and have you had it? Uh, she's had it for two years. And the fact that it's made by Fiat, it's not new to Jeep owners that we have had a thousand different owners. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, AMC or Chrysler or Mercedes. At this point, a Jeep's a Jeep to me. Excellent. So, you guys have no problem uh, helping any anybody out on uh, on the Jeep Tech uh, group no. or, or, or 
Uh, let's see, which one do you guys actually do the help on? Is it both the group and the page, or how do you handle that? We handle all of our help through the group. We have about 2,500 active members, and everybody participates as they can. It's nice to have those who just come to ask questions and leave, and it's nice to have those who uh, have a real knowledge base of stuff that I might not be an expert in. Right. Where they can jump in. And so it, it works out really well for us. Yeah, there's way too much to know. Uh, and uh, it's great that <laughs> you have a, a, a large base like that to fall back on. Now, uh, the, one of the things, one of the fallacies that I have found about Facebook, and I'm sure you guys have run across this, is there's no way to, to search past questions or past information. So uh, being on a, a Facebook group, and that means the question has to be asked over and over again and answered uh, the same way over and over again. Do you guys get tired of having the same questions uh, and having to answer it time and time again? Yes. <laughs> That's where forums were nice. Because oh, yeah. you can look back where someone asked a gearing question a thousand times. You know, we get asked multiple times a week, what gear should I put in my Jeep? What's the biggest size tire I can put in my Jeep? What size wheel? Like those are questions that just repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. What's the best locker for me? And unfortunately, there's no cookie cutter answer for any of that. No, there never so we have to. The nice thing about being in a group as opposed to a forum there is we can kind of dig a little deeper. Hey, how do you plan on using your rig? Is it going to be your daily driver? You just want it to look different? Well, then we have a different set of suggestions for it. Right. Yeah, those are actually very good questions because just because somebody wants to lift their vehicle doesn't mean they're actually going to do anything other than maybe navigate a few inches of water during the rainy season. Right. Did, not everybody who owns a Jeep Wrangler, not all JK owners are going to have a three and a half inch metal cloak lift with 37 inch tires on. That doesn't suit everybody's needs. So we try to tailor our answers per the individual's actual needs and use of the vehicle. So not mentioning any names, and, and I'm fine if you want to mention a name. I'm just trying to be polite. What's the, the, the most off-the-wall question that you guys have had? And, and, and please, don't keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> the most off-the-wall question is we literally had somebody sitting in a, an old uh, YJ. The interior is pretty much gutted out. There's just a shifter sh- st- sticking through the floor. They're driving down the street, and they take a video of the shifter handle shaking. <laughs> What's wrong with my Jeep? And what is this sound? Well, your window's down. You're doing 70 miles an hour, and you have mud tires. I hear road noise and wind. Yeah. But, yeah, some stuff is really hard. Noise questions are really hard to diagnose, but we do what we can. <laughs> well, you know, at least you had video. What? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, we do get, we've been getting a lot more video, which is sometimes helpful and sometimes hurtful. We'll get a picture, a video of the inside of someone's driver's side wheel, and they're going, what's moving here? Well, I don't know. I can only see one joint. <laughs> can't see much. Can you move it around right. a bit? <laughs> yeah. But, and I appreciate them going the extra mile of trying to assist us with the video. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Because they don't know what we're looking for, we can't expect them to know what we're looking for either, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I get that. Yeah. No, it's very important uh, that uh, that you stay open and you encourage people to ask the questions and you can't say, 
you know, you can't give a, a brow beating. Or why are you pointing the camera there? That has nothing to do with what you're, because they just don't know. They don't have the experience. Otherwise, they wouldn't be asking for help. They would just be sharing it so that you could get a chuckle out of their issue. So, yeah, it, it's very important to have that openness. No, and, and I agree. And, and what what makes us really work is our team of administrators that we have. You know, we there's me and my uh, my partner Tom, and then we have eight other administrators or admins to our group that really keep a close look and a close eye on things. And if a question's not getting answered in a timely manner, you know, five, six, seven minutes, they go out and try to find somebody who will have that answer for them, or say, hey, can you give us a minute, just so we don't leave anybody hanging. And then if there's a you know the stray member who wants to criticize somebody because they don't like the grill that they have on their Jeep. <laughs> Angry eyes. <laughs> yes. Why did you take the seven slots off your hood, off your grill? And we just kind of end that because oh, we don't there's want, no point. we don't want that yeah, there. Yeah, there's right? no point in that. That just, that just makes people feel bad. And, uh, you know, they, they, they made a, a purchase that somebody doesn't like. I, I mean, I'm, I'm that way about the seven slot grill. I don't need a, uh, something that looks like a Buick. <laughs> I bought a Jeep, damn it. But if somebody wants to run it that way, that's their Jeep, and that's fine with me. It's just not my personal preference, but I'm certainly not going to berate somebody uh, for, for doing that. I mean, I drive an 06 TJ with bone stock headlights. I think that's the only thing that's stock left. So you got a, but, you have a stick that you hold out the side for uh, so that you can feel the curb and see where you're going, right? I just, just <laughs> blindfold and poke around, yes. Yeah, I uh, I put some uh, LEDs in my wife's 2003 TJ, and she just can't believe she actually enjoys driving at night now. So uh, <laughs> the, it's amazing what the road looks like when you can see it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that that was there. That's great. Right. <laughs> yeah, Jeep Jeep lights are notoriously bad. I don't know how they are on the JKs because uh, all we have around here are, are uh, XJs and uh, the the a couple of TJs, 2001 TJ and a. 2003 TJ, but uh, I used to own a right-hand right drive, right drive JKU, and which was interesting because you got fun looks from people when you're driving on the wrong side of Jeep. Yeah, sure. But I never had issues with the headlights on the JK. They were a world better than what's on a TJ, that's for sure. Right. So let's ask that. We like to ask our guests about their own personal Jeeps when they have one. Uh, and if you have more than one, I'll just, I'll just uh, uh, say this now. What's your, your, your favorite one? Tell us about your favorite Jeep. My favorite Jeep in the world is Cheeto. Cheeto's my 06 Impact Orange TJ. Uh, you see, that's what I was going to ask you next is what the color is. I, I figured what it was. It sounds like it's a nice Donald Trump orange. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, I have to play this. <laughs> i'm sorry don that's not the right answer red would have been the right answer <laughs> i'm sorry my taillights are <laughs> yeah but nobody ever sees that because you don't use your brakes right oh no i use my brakes <laughs> so uh tell us some stuff about it what have you done to, to, to cheeto uh, i've only had cheeto for about a year now but that's plenty of time, Don. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, currently on what's totals to be a six-inch short arm lift, and everybody in the planet tells me you can't get six inches out of a short arm. But um, six-inch short arm with uh, 35-inch tires. I'm locked in the front, six-speed manual. And I like to play on rocks with it. Oh, yeah. And it's got several dents. And 
the great thing is each dad has a really good story. <laughs> it always does. <laughs> hopefully it's not from your wife or your girlfriend and uh, no. you know, uh, ret- retaliating for something you did. Um, the, the one front fenders caved in pretty good and I, I hit a, I drove into a bridge. Oh no. <laughs> it's seven times the size of my Jeep, but I managed to drive into it. So, well, they have a gravitational field, so it's just like trees. When people run into trees, they they, they suck you in. So, uh, I'm gonna let me get back to your your front lock. Uh, what locker is it, and what axle? I'm gonna get yelled at here. I got a bent Dana 30 right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like it's smiling at you going down the road. Yeah, but uh, I'm locked with a Spartan in the front. All right. So he was like, okay, I got through there. He's not going to ask me about the, the axle or the locker. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I there's no shame or embarrassment of no, it. No, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I was just curious. I always like pe- asking people that, especially, uh, you know, I've got a Dana 30 in my, my XJ and, uh, uh, I don't, I don't have the ARB in it yet, but I plan on putting the ARB in there. And the thing that a lot of people don't understand is, is that, you know, whenever you're asked what axle should you run and should it be locked, what size uh, tires and wheels and all the rest of that stuff, people are going to try to give you the best, uh, get, uh, not guess, the best answer they can. And, you know, of course, that's going to be like a Dana 60 on 44s and <laughs> all this stuff that's not likely to break and, and go over anything. But you can wheel if you're just careful and you think about what you're doing and that's not balls of the walls with a throttle. You can wheel on these things, and they don't break. So that's another reason why I like I like asking because it gives people the uh, the feel that they could do this stuff with their Jeep, and they could even lock things up with their Jeep as long as they're just careful about how they use it. Absolutely, you know, you can build a thirty that it's actually going to be fairly strong. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be a one ton axle, never. No. Right. You know, it's never designed to fly through the air and take large beatings into the ground. No. We're not going to say that, but you can put an interior sleeve in it, gusset your seas. You can put a stronger axle in it, you know, re-gear, put a decent locker in it. You can drive it as long as you're not just out, out and out trying to kill it and not have a bad axle. Right. And you get a lot more clearance of a Dana 30 than you would a Dana 60 anyway. And what, what do people put on the fronts of those things? They don't, it's not Dana 60 on the front, is it? Is it like a Dana 70 or something that's a steerable, basically a steerable 60? I've never seen one on it. <laughs> but not, not that they haven't. But a lot of people are saying, you know, they want to put a, you know, a 44 or something on it. But I don't see the advantage of going to a 44. If you're going to spend that money to buy a new axle and, you know, beef up what you have. Because you're not really gaining anything going from a 30 to a 44 other than a bigger pinion. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you're going to break something, that pinion is probably the last thing you're going to break. Right. Hopefully. We're, yeah. I mean, I say that I'm going to get nine people tell me, I broke four of them. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, we need you on a YouTube video then. <laughs> right. Oh, and, and, and again, it's, it's all independent on or dependent on what, uh, how you plan on using it? Right. And I'm not real gentle. I'm, well, I'm geared. Unfortunately, I haven't geared it up to where it should be. So I'm still running stock gear. So I'm a little oh faster on trail than I'm. Yeah. Yes. And unfortunately, when I bought it, everything kept snowballing on me. Mm-hmm. So every time gears came up and I was going to do gear, something else broke. So money just keeps, you know, running in circles around the Jeep. Oh, sure. They tend to do. So this isn't, isn't your daily driver though, right? 
Oh, no, I drive it every day, seven days a oh, week. Oh, okay. Well, then the, the, the gearing is not so bad. Of course, you can do a lot of stuff with uh, with the manual transmission where automatic, uh, you almost ha- absolutely have to re-gear uh, once the tires get too big. Well, I tell everybody I have a six-speed. Five and six are decoration only. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the way it is in the TJ. <laughs> And we're only running 33s, but uh, yeah, I can't uh, I can't drive on the highway in fifth gear uh, in the TJ because it's just it's just a pain in the butt. But it's a dog. Yeah, it runs about uh, I think around 2200, 2300 RPM uh, in uh, in fourth gear, so that's fine. Yeah, I do about 70 miles an hour fourth gear, about 2700 RPMs, and hope and pray. Well, I'm I'm assuming you got the 4.0 in uh, in the, the 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 Jeep you have. Do I get that buzzer when you get a wrong answer? Uh, sure. Go ahead and play it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the best I got See, for you. You weren't ready. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, I caught myself off guard. That was bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, did, that's a. Did you say that's a TJ or a JK that the, 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 the Cheeto is? I, I have a TJ. Okay, so you have the four cylinder in the TJ. I do. Oh, you poor bastard! <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So uh, that, that's a great question. The why? Uh, I will not buy a Jeep if it, ha- if it has the four cylinder in it. What is it? Two point five uh, four cylinder. Uh, yep. I don't like those things. They're they're just not the legendary four that goes forever. Um, you must have had a good deal on it, or you know something about the four cylinders? I don't. I got a really good deal on it, and again, a lot of it had to do with. Hey, I'm an odd person and I love the color orange. So <laughs> when I hunted for an orange Jeep, I found one three and a half hours away because everything that we have up here in our on the Great Lakes rusts in about seven days. Oh, that's horrible. So most TJs in this, you know, most TJs don't have a frame underneath it anymore. Right. So uh, I was lucky enough to find one that still has factory black paint on it. Nice. The undercarriage is still orange. So, wow. So I, so I got lucky, and the trade-off was I have a remote control car engine. Yeah, that's nice. Now, uh, of course, you can always put in a different engine, and and that might be the way you're thinking about it. You know, I'll run this until uh, it doesn't right. run, and then I can always put a 4.0 in there and uh, swap out the the ECM, and and you're good to go. And if, if it was a perfect world. I would love to put an older Chrysler small block in it. Oh, yeah. But like, and go against everybody's theory and go carbureted. So I don't have to worry about electronics. I don't have to worry about a computer. Just like go old school, but you know, back to the CJ roots. Now, I've heard that uh, carbureted is not good for, uh, for wheeling because uh, you can basically starve the, the engine of fuel, depending on the angle Absolutely. of the Jeep. Absolutely can. That's that's the downfall. That's where fuel injection is nice. You're you know can, on its side, it's still going to run. Right. If you're a carburetor, it's going to all the f- fuel is going to run out of the bowl and it's going to stall. But I like the idea, of, you know, of doing something different that most people don't do. Having a nice Holley 600 CFM carburetor on a small block is always exciting, especially if it's on top of an Edelbrock uh, intake. <laughs> so, yeah, so I like all that stuff too because I, I did all that stuff way back when, 327 uh, Chevy engine and uh, 72 right. Nova. It was a lot of fun, uh, but uh, there's there's a lot to be said for, for more modern technology. But I get you. It's uh, it, it still it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's, it just makes it more uh, interesting, I guess you would say, to uh, to get it done. 
it's a, it's a, it's a new challenge. Everything's going to be a different challenge. And wheeling with the TJ is a challenge when you wheel with JKUs. You know, so, hey, you're half the size of me. I know, but let's see if I can go up there. So, I see a challenge and figure, why not try it? Sure. If I have to be a computer and roll my own windows down, I don't think my car needs it. My Jeep needs a computer either. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, Jeeps are uh, traditionally very uh, utilitarian and uh, Spartan as far as the uh, amenities go. So, it's, it's meant to get you anywhere you want to go, but not necessarily there in comfort. So, uh, speaking of uh, helping people uh, get things going, we'll remind everybody about uh, Jeep Tech. Just go over to uh, Facebook, do a search for Jeep Tech. That's J-E-E-P-T-E-C-K. And uh, you can uh, reach out to Don and uh, all the other folks over there if you have any issues uh, that uh, with your Jeep that you'd like to get those uh, those questions answered. And, you know, of course, the kids, they love the social media. We've mentioned the Facebook thing. Uh, where else can uh, people find uh, Jeep Tech, uh, Don? They can look Jeep Tech up on Instagram too. Same same spelling. Excellent, excellent. So you guys are on Jeep Tech. Are you going to get in into uh, on the Pinterest yet? So you can do the uh, uh, reach out to the women and maybe do some uh, uh, macrame uh, tire covers and that type of thing. I try not to. <laughs> I always give everybody a hard time about Pinterest. Uh, my wife keeps telling me you should get on Pinterest. I said nope, not Pinterested. So there you go. well don thanks a lot for being with us tonight oh you know what i just almost forgot you guys have a giveaway for our listeners tell tell the folks about that we have a flag mount it's called great innovations and it's spelled gr number eight it is the first flagpole holder that's completely integrated into the hinge of your jeep into the rear tailgate as far as that goes Mm -hmm. take two bolts out it bolts right in. It stays there permanently. You can open and close your tailgate. It's not in the way. It's a really cool mount. I really love it. Yeah, the really cool thing is is that uh, it, uh, it it's not a it, it really doesn't stand out. It's just there. It kind of looks like part of the part of the Jeep. And if there's not a flag in it, you you probably wouldn't even notice it. So it's it's a very cool, nifty way to be able to stick your flag in there. And uh, of course, you don't have to drive around your uh, tearing up your flag at 70 miles an hour you can just uh, roll it up and then when you're ready to put in there just easily drop it in and uh you're flying that flag yep and right now they only make it for the jk but other variations are coming out well we really appreciate that and i think what we'll do here is uh you know traditionally what we like to do is have people call into our voicemail uh to be winners and uh uh, Don, why don't you give me a uh, pick a number between one and ten, and that'll be the the caller that uh, that we get that wins this. Eight, eight, like seven, eight, right? Correct. All right, so you heard it. Don says the eighth caller into our voicemail uh, will win this great uh, uh, item from, and the company name was uh, I didn't write it down. Great, great mounts. Great mounts. And uh, we'll have that information for great mounts in our show notes. So just remember to go to jeeptalkshow.com and you can get uh, a link straight over there to uh, the great mounts, uh, 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 whatever they have, a website or a Facebook page and whatever, get more information. So you can, if you're not a winner, you can actually go buy one. <laughs> yep. All right, Don. Well, thanks a lot for being with us tonight. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll be uh, hearing more from you guys. You'll have to, uh, uh, pump us uh, some some interesting questions and stories that come through uh, the Jeep Tech uh, Jeep uh, group. We absolutely will. Thanks for having us. All right. Have a great night. You too.
Thanks again to Don for taking the time to sit down with us and chat a little about Jeep Tech and for the opportunity to give away a uh, Great Innovation JK Flag Pole Holder. That should be pretty cool, and uh, one lucky listener is going to uh, get themselves that. Of course, if you guys have an idea for a guest, well, or maybe you work in the off-road industry yourself, maybe you know somebody who does, maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show just to talk about your Jeep. Everybody's got a Jeep story, and we want to hear yours. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It very well could be you. Hey, and maybe you might uh, work with Mike Manley and you can uh, uh, cozy up to him and just, just you know, whisper kind of like uh, uh, where he doesn't actually hear it, but it's like, what is that noise? And just say, Jeep Talk Show, Jeep Talk Show. Talk I'm talking about being a bonnet. <laughs> I, you know, we'll settle for uh, Tim Kaniskas too. You know, if uh, he's a, he's a, he took over Mike Manley's position. Uh, he's the uh, new, G, new Jeep head. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, you know, we we definitely settle for a uh, little Tim Kaniskas too. So uh, Tim or Mike, hey. Hey, if you're out there. <laughs> and by the way, kudos on pronouncing that name, pronunciating that name, man. <laughs> I just I saw that and I went. Wow. (laughs) I had no clue. (laughs) When I say I saw it, I saw it in the show notes and and Josh just went right by it. I stutter and stop and everything so much. So I just get really impressed when people can read things whenever it's just like I could have practiced that name 10 times and I would have panicked right when I was reading it and I was screwed it up. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of a bit of the same situation here. Uh, there's there's two people over there at the jeepgirls.com, uh, Ashley and Brittany, and and they they did a change on me. Uh, uh, I think it was last week. I got an email that this one's is like when you're dating twins. <laughs> one of them is no? okay. one of them is not available. Well, if it's twins, what does it matter? Uh, just go, oh you, you know, you know, just don't use a name. So <laughs> so it's gonna be Ashley or Brittany. I can't remember. So it's kind of like the Don Tom thing tonight. But we're gonna have one of the two. Uh, from uh, thejeepgirls.com. And, uh, you know, go over there. Ask them which one's going to be on. I think it's Brittany, actually. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I've got a couple of questions. I, r- I ran across somebody that said that you can make some uh, quick disconnect sway bar links for my XJ by using the rear sway bar links off of a WJ. I was wondering if Josh has ever run across this or if anybody out there has ever had any experience with this or any other good ideas for some uh, cheap, easy, quick disconnects for, my, for an XJ. And Tammy, in case you're wondering, that's, uh, I believe, a 99 or I'm not sure, maybe 96 to 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee, except for when it's in red, then it's called the WJ Supreme. <laughs> Another question I have is... Uh, so Crapslot, calm down. I'm gonna. T- I'm getting ready to tell him. So Crapslot has uh, wants to know how come dogs can't use the MRI machine when cats scan. I know. All right, buddy, that's pretty lame. Even Josh is shaking his head. All right, boys and girls, I'll catch you later. You have a good one. Bye. He knows you, Josh. God. He does. He's watched too many videos of us back when we were doing the show live. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Uh, well, to answer Nikki G's question, I, I have not heard uh, specifically of the WJ trick, although it does make sense. Yeah. I, I have heard of uh, of people using the discarded rear uh, sway bar disconnects that come factory on a Cherokee, uh, although they are typically often the very first things removed off of an XJ uh, when somebody gets to use it off-road. 
Um, but, uh, you know, there are a number of things that you can do that aren't aftermarket that are do it yourself, uh, but aren't necessarily just a, 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 a direct junkyard swap. Um, like maybe you were alluding that the WJ, uh, is so, um, I designed my own and I, and I built my own sway bar quick disconnects, uh, before I did my, uh, my one ton over the knuckle, uh, swap. And, uh, and I used little miniature heim joints that I got off of McMaster car. Uh, and a uh, piece of all thread that I picked up from uh, Home Depot. And, uh, and using these little uh, rod end links and that threaded rod, I created my own sway bar disconnects and, uh, and just used uh, some wing, three-quarter inch wing nuts uh, to, to secure them on. And it was just a matter of a wing nut on and a wing nut off to, to put them on and off. And I, had a, I welded a little stud up in the wheel well to, uh, to secure them when I, was, uh, when I had them disconnected. And it worked just fine for numbers of years. The only complaint that I had is that they rattled around a little bit uh, driving down the road. But, uh, you know, what Jeep doesn't have a few rattles here and there? So there you go. So you couldn't just put a button on the dash of the... You press the button and it automatically would disconnect and you press the button and it would automatically reconnect. No, when I think, uh, I think when I built those, I, I don't know that the, uh, the JK was out yet, uh, when I, uh, when I had done those. So it's, uh, it was one or it had just hit the market and there really wasn't all that much information out there as far as the, the, you know, the push button sway bar disconnect that's on the JK and JK use. Uh, it's an interesting feature. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, you know, I, I like my little homebrew option that worked out very well. Of course, you know, I mean, you can go you know, Amazon, you've got Quadratech, I mean, you've got uh, Rough Country, uh, JKS. I mean, there, there's your there's there's your big three or four right there as far as sources go uh, for, for sway bar disconnects. But they're all going to run you, you know, in excess of $65, $75 or more. I mean, some of these kits run up to $130. Uh, and I think in, into my uh, little homebrew uh, setup that I that I made, I was into it maybe 60 bucks. Oh, wow. Uh, That's more yeah. than I thought. Uh, all, uh, all, all the Heim you know, joints, all I guess, considered. were expensive. Yeah. And that they really that was the most expensive part was uh, just those little rod ends. So, uh, and I'm sure that I probably if I would have dug around a little more, found a cheaper source other than the McMaster car. Uh, but uh, yeah, what was that? What was that one? JKS. That's the one you mentioned. I, I've been yeah. I've been uh, creeping on those for years. I love the look of those things. They're they're very beefy, and I think they're hundred and true. I think they're 180 bucks or something insane. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't I do not like the idea of you having to remove pieces and, and keep up with those pieces. I, I really yeah. like the idea of where you just swing it up and it's in place. And then when you get done, you swing it back down and mm-hmm. hook it back up. So, yeah, uh, I don't I don't like the idea of too many cotter pins either. So, yeah, I mean, you use too many tart- carter pins and you uh, can uh, create artificial intelligence. I hear. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So coming up in a few minutes, uh, we're going to hear a little about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. Oh, God, Tammy's not here. We can take our pants off. <laughs> Mine are already off. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, gee. <laughs> I'm surprised you showed up. But you were ready uh, to uh, to go scuba diving. Oh, geez. That's not a snorkel, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, well, it looks like I'll be getting the Jeep out in the woods uh, a lot more often this winter. Um, I do have a, uh, a snow uh, run planned, uh, but we got to have to get a little more snow out first. There's, there's a pass road out here um, that closes every year, typically around the second or third week of December, and it usually doesn't open up until about April. Uh, and it's called Lolo Pass. 
And and the the Lolo Pass is um, is a highway that goes over over a, a little mountain range, but uh, it's it's basically a backcountry road. I mean, it is a paved road. It is a highway. Um, I forgot what the actual highway number is on that one. Um, but once it closes down, um, you can still get to it off road, and and they allow vehicles um, off road passage on that. But you know there are stipulations, and this isn't something that you would want to run solo. Because it would be a very, very long walk back to civilization had if you were to get stranded. Uh, so this is one of these things where it's going to be a two or three hour run through the snow once we get to the gate, back to uh, back to the um, uh, back to the freeway, you know, back to the, the civilization and you know uh, regular roads and all that sort of stuff. Uh, snow is typically in, in excess of six feet. Um, it's going to be uh, one of those things to where lots of airing down, probably going to be having chains. Um, and, uh, it's usually at least two or three vehicles, um, and typically one guy with a buggy, uh, cause we'd like to have that dude with forties out front that can tra- blaze the trail for us. So, um, whether or not this run gets put together, um, in years past, it's been an absolute cluster F because, uh, <laughs> people's schedules, uh, don't get, uh, don't, don't align very well. People are in various stages of, uh, repair or maintenance and whatnot. I actually have a buddy who, who, uh, usually organizes this event with me every year and his Jeep isn't going to be ready until next year. So he's already calling for shotgun uh, in, in my rig. So <laughs> we'll see how that works out. But, uh, but that's a, uh, that's a uh, scheduled for in the near future, uh, next uh, month or so at least. Um, but, uh, that's something on the way. But aside from that, my Jeep's going to be getting out into the woods a little more often this year. Um, picked up a, well, not, I haven't picked it up yet. It's on its way, uh, getting my first AR 500 steel target. Uh, for some shooting when I'm out in the woods. And I've um, uh, been doing target shooting for years and years and years, but um, this is the uh, my first steel target that I'm buying. I'm getting a, a 12-inch gong uh, in AR-500 in half-inch thick variety. I'm sorry, uh, you said to, gong, right? I did say gong, <laughs> as opposed to the other word spelled with a D. Which you can um, buy on so, Amazon. <laughs> which you could buy on Amazon. <laughs> oh, boy, hopefully not in steel. Uh, but, uh, no, AR 500 steel is, is basically like tank armor. Um, and it's safe to shoot, um, you know, with, with high velocity rounds. I mean, I'm not shooting it with a 50 caliber BMG or anything like not that, yet. but not yet <laughs> as the show, yeah, as the right. show gains more listeners. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's, uh, I've got the target, I've got the, uh, the stand kit and everything on its way, uh, hopped on a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, cyber Monday, black Friday deal for that. And, uh, just, it was, I couldn't pass it up. Had to make it happen, uh, so I'm I'm very excited about that, and uh, yeah, that'll that'll definitely uh, uh, be a lot more of a um, incentive, if you will, for me to get out in the woods. So, yeah. hey, did you ever see that video on YouTube where the guy had the the uh, the BFG 50 caliber as, as one should have, and he was shooting at a metal target that was some 2.7 miles down away from him. It was a long ways away, and he shoots it this metal target and. It, the 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 bullet the shrapnel from the bullet comes back and bounces in front of the table. Oh, yeah, no, I did see. I have seen that video uh, actually just recently. In fact, uh, one of the one of the sites that I was shopping on um, had that. They were playing that oh, as as like their, their banner or whatever. Yeah, um, and saying you know you know you need to know what you're doing before you start shooting steel type of thing. And and they that gift plays and yeah, this guy's and he's all set up and. Yeah, like in the middle of the desert or whatever, and he's got a you know big fifty caliber rifle out and and you know shoots it, and you see you know the big shock wave or whatever, and half a second later there's this little thunk, 
and like 30 feet in front of him in the ground and you see his headphones, his ear protection go flying off of his head. And you're like, holy crap, did that guy just get shot in the head? No, it was a ricochet. And he, yeah, exactly. Something came back. He was, uh, he was shooting steel. I think he was a little too close actually. And, uh, and, that, <laughs> and that 50 caliber round came back, bounced, and he was one lucky SOB. Yes. Because another, you know, two inches, another inch, really, uh, to one side, and and he would uh, not be with us anymore. At the very least, wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't have any depth perception. So. <laughs> he would have been, uh, uh, he would have been out Halloween, uh, Halloween time, getting uh, asking for candy is what he'd be doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was scary as hell. It, but it's like you know, with the fifty caliber, uh, the BFG, it's like uh, nuclear weapons. How, how close is safe when one goes off? So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, uh, I uh, I made a purchase the other day, and uh, I've been I've been watching this uh, ever since I saw. And some of you guys, especially if you're in the Houston area, you may remember uh, the local CBS affiliate used to have uh, Scotty Kilmer on. Uh, he did a segment for them about uh, automobiles and trucks, about maintenance, about things that you can do to fix them. And uh, he's continued on with a YouTube video. And uh, one popped up the other day uh, on, uh, you know, things to watch on YouTube. And uh, he had this big black uh, skinny box in his hand. And uh, it was uh, entitled The Best Car Jump Starter in the World and Why. And, you know, that intrigued me. Well, it intrigued me because Scotty was talking about it. And it looks like electronics. And, man, if it's electronics, I want to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this thing turned out, I mean, it looks a lot like one of those standard uh, uh, what was the one that you that you got, uh, Josh? Well, I've got, you know, I got, uh, yeah, I got one of the the Noco lithium yeah. ion jump start uh, packs. Uh, you know, over here. actually, I got I got two or three of them, but um, uh, yeah, they they're you know they're all over. You see them in in Fred Meyer, you know, Kroger's, uh, right. Home Depot, Lowe's, they're freaking everywhere it's really cool. now. I mean, you can have some of that's really small. It contains a battery, and it, but and, and it has what enough, you have is different though. Right, what you have is different than all these other ones that are out there. Right, and then the like the the Nocos that you have, it has a battery in there. You charge it up, mm-hmm. and and it has enough power to actually start your engine. The only problem with that is you got to charge it. <laughs> you got to remember to charge it, and if you use it, it uh, the the charge is going to go down, and you got to remember to charge it so you can use it next time. and And how long is that battery going to hold a charge? Uh, you know, you, this is all that memory stuff, all that stuff that you have to do. Well, this one's different because it doesn't have any batteries in in it. It looks just like a, one of those battery jump starters, but no battery. It has a bunch of super capacitors in it. And, uh, and and even though your battery may not have enough uh, current to turn the engine over, it has enough voltage and current to charge the supercapacitors in this device. And that's what you do. You hook it up to your dead battery, and it's, it's only, only dead from the standpoint that it won't start your vehicle, but it has the voltage to charge up these supercapacitors. And after about uh, anywhere from a minute to five minutes, depending on how bad the battery is, um, it charges this unit and a little green light pops on. And when the little green light pops on, you go and you start your vehicle. Now, if I was in high school and driving back and forth to high school like I used to and not being able to afford a new battery, I would have used this thing for years <laughs> because you just go out there, hook it up to your battery, it charges, you start, you take it off, and you, you go about your way. So it's, to me, it's just a wonderful thing. And in fact, I... I predict we're going to see something like this coming in uh, future vehicles uh, as a uh, a factory, uh, I won't say factory option, but a default factory item. 
because it just makes perfect sense where you get a, a check engine light or a battery bad indication, but it has enough juice to actually get you uh, get you started and get you on down the road. Now, back in the day, Tony, I, I can't remember which manufacturer it was, but they used to advertise a battery that had a reserve in it. And you, you know, you go out in that parking lot and there's three feet of snow on the ground. You go to start up your vehicle. Roar, roar, roar. Well, no worries. You just pop your hood and you go push this button on your battery and you've got your reserve and you go start it up and everybody's hot and warm. And then often, you know, through the woods and off to grandma's house we go. Um I don't think they've offered those in years. I haven't seen those commercials in, in, in ages, mm-hmm. but I foresee something along those lines. This You have one of these sort of uh, packs. They're sort of installed into the vehicle's electronics somewhere, uh, and if you get too low a voltage, you just enable this mode, this button on your dash, and once that button turns green, boom, you're ready to go. Now, for those who don't know what a capacitor is, is basically a tiny little battery almost, yeah. but it doesn't hold a char- I mean, it doesn't have a charge. It just holds a charge and is able to discharge that at a regulated rate and sometimes even all at once. So how these things work, like the one that Tony's got, is it uses the residual energy left in your system that's not enough to start a vehicle, but it is enough to get a little bit of juice into those capacitors. And they suck up as much as they can, and they charge themselves, and they charge up the ones that are next to them, and all that sort of stuff. And pretty soon, you've got this little battery pack that has all these capacitors all charged up and ready to discharge all at once. And they throw that energy back into your system, back with enough amperage to actually turn the motor over. And that's how these things work. Very, very cool technology. It's all solid state. It's all state of the art, actually. And like Tony was saying, nothing to remember, nothing to have to worry about. It's all contained. It's all smart. And it's all good to go. Now, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but this is uh, the manufacturer of this is AutoWit. Like uh, like smart, you know, witty. Like you dimwit. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> AutoWit, it's a 12-volt batteryless uh, portable car jumper, uh, up to 5-liter uh, gas, 3-liter diesel engines. Oh, so that you'll be able to use this hey, on the 2020 yeah. uh, JT. <laughs> Good call. 700-amp peak, 600-amp instant, safe booster pack, auto-emergency start power, super capacitor technology orange because they didn't come in red damn it so uh but uh, this is great now it's 120 bucks uh, i got a i had it in my wish list or something on amazon and i actually got a a notification not at black friday maybe it was black friday i can't remember but i actually got this little notification from amazon saying that if you ordered it uh, uh within a certain period of time you get 20 percent off so i picked this pick this little thing up for 98 bucks free shipping not too shabby, yep. not at all, especially for something that is basically brand spanking new on the market. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is state-of-the-art technology. You're one of the first people to get your hands on it type of thing. You got this, and now the whole family can rely on this sort of thing, and, and you never have to worry about, well, is it going to go bad? Is it going to go dead? It's completely self-contained. You're never going to have to worry about this thing again. You don't have to worry about charging it. You throw it in the trunk. It's solid state. You really don't have to worry about uh, it getting too hot or too cold because it's not a battery. Um, so, I mean, if you're uh, in California and you're driving through uh, all those fires that the guy on the Toyota did, well, then that might be a problem. <laughs> but a normal wear and tear. And, you know, this could be a lifesaver for the folks in the uh, the areas where it gets very cold and very oh, snowy. Man, that reminds me. I, while... Um Uh, kind of doing the show notes and stuff, I uh, saw a video of a gal um, in her Jeep driving through the wildfires in California. And it's like a wall of fire. She goes, she goes and there's like lots of smoke and you can see the hillsides kind of on fire. And, 
And she's like, oh God, you know, I got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. And she's going through like, kind of like on the side of this mountain. And you're like, oh, that's a bad place to be, you know, (laughs) especially when there was all these fires and stuff. And she goes through this, like this tunnel and it's dark and it's nothing but smoke. And you can't, you can't see 10 feet in front of the Jeep and she's driving. You can tell she's only going like 20, 25, 30 miles an hour and scared. You can hear it in her breathing and you can kind of start to see the the light at the end of the tunnel kind of start to come up and it's just this orange ball. And as it kind of starts to come into focus, it's just a wall of fire. And she gets out into this thing and there's sparks bouncing off the windshield and flames. And it's like this. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, Hollywood can't reproduce this. There's no freaking way. And she drives through this fire and she is in full blown panic attack. And I mean, because just looking at this, you're thinking there's no way she's going to make it. There's no way. I mean, there's, that's fire. The entire hillside's on fire. She's driving through fire. And she kind of comes up and, and she gets to this point of where there's like, you know, there's lights, and there's other people and, and she just loses it. She just breaks down because, you know, she had just driven through a life and death situation and made it. And it was just, I mean, it was harrowing. I mean, watching this video, I, I was typing the show notes and I'm kind of, you know, going through these different videos and stuff like that. And I stopped in my tracks. I'm like, whoa. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's such a shame seeing all that. And so many people lost their lives and that uh, lost their stuff. But more importantly, uh, the, the folks lost their lives. Things can be replaced. And it's wonderful that uh, the vehicles that, uh, that we have are, are made well enough to go through that. But, of course, don't drive through fire. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know... Uh, I you know I get I get kind of irritated whenever we have high water in in the Houston area and you see the, the the local TVs if you know turn around don't drown if you can't see the road don't drive through it uh, there's 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 clues that you can use to see if it's safe to go across uh, fast moving water no uh, three inches of of water you can't see the ground am I going to sit there or am I going to go through it well, I personally am going to go through it uh, <laughs> but fire. I don't know. Uh, I can see how far the water goes. You don't know how far the fire goes. Uh, yeah, you can, you can float in water. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and thankfully, water doesn't burn. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I did want to mention one thing real quick. And uh, yeah. Josh, uh, uh, back me up on this if it's correct. You do not want to drive around on a, a bad battery uh, very long. If you, Ooh, if no. you use this, this jump starter super capacitor thing I was talking about, uh, it's great to get you out of harm's way, but you can uh, it can cause issues with your vehicle, especially the newer vehicles with, uh, I say newer, the ones that were made in the last 20 years. They have all these, uh, the computer and the sensors, and those sensors have to have pro- uh, a proper voltage. And mm-hmm. uh, if the battery is uh, helping provide the, uh, the voltage and the current capacity to your uh, electrical system, your alternator may not be enough to keep everything up. It, it, generally, exactly. it generally can be. But it, you could get in a situation where your vehicle is not running very well because of the voltages uh, that are, are too low for those sensors to work properly. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you can do damage to your electrical system or your charging system by driving around too much on a bad, on a, on a bad or a dead battery. Um, and there is a difference between a bad battery and a dead battery. So, you know, the there's you know just be aware of that yeah so this is and i made that joke about i I would have never bought another battery for my my car (laughs) but you know that's only because i was 16 and couldn't afford uh, the 40 dollars for a new battery wouldn't you love to go back in time and buy a a battery buy a 40 dollar battery (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd buy a bank of them. <laughs> so uh, also here real quick this weekend, um, I'm helping a buddy out with a, a transfer case. He's he's doing a um, kind of a resto mod on a, on a Wagoneer for his wife. And uh, she decided that she was sick and tired of him having all the fun in, in his XJ. And uh, so she decided that she wanted to go back to um, her high school years. And uh, she demanded a Wagoneer. Uh, so he found her one, and yes, it was in pretty yes, decent dear. condition. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, standard, uh, you know, tan and, and wood side on the outside and burgundy interior, like the the typical Grand Wagoneer. And uh, so he got one. It was pretty clean, actually, um, all things considered. Uh, but uh, doing uh, axle swaps, engine, transmission, and transfer case swap on it. Uh, pretty much entirely new drivetrain on this thing all around. Now, he's already pretty much got most of the engine ready to go in. Um, in fact, I think he's doing that as we speak, uh, the last couple of days he's been working on it, um, heading over there this weekend and be doing a transfer case install for him. Um, he's got to, he needs some help, uh, getting that in. He's got some, uh, carpal tunnel issues, uh, getting up there in years and, and he just doesn't quite have the strength or the gumption to get underneath the Jeep and lift a transfer case into place, let alone hold it up there while you're trying to, you know, screw it all in and everything. So God. I want to give a buddy a hand, get down in there and, uh, and get that transfer case installed for him. He's got a V8 swapped into this Wagoneer out of a 2013 uh, GMC, I believe, is what that engine came out of, a 5.7 liter. So that, is that, a, that a LS or whatever the, the L version is for the, the uh, iron version? I can't remember if it's an LS or not. I don't I don't think it's an, uh, might be an LS. I, I, I What do they call it, LRs t- he or me, something He like had that. the motor like a year before he had the Jeep. And so it's like, he's, he's like, well, I'm just going to put this motor in it. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, so he's gone through a couple transfer case ideas. Uh, he's finally settling on a on a heavy duty 231C transfer case, uh, but he's having an issue with the um, uh, the flanges or the uh, the yokes on it. Uh, one uh, one yoke doesn't work uh, for the driveline that he's got. So I'm trying to convince him to go with like a flange style, but he's kind of up in the air. He doesn't know which direction he wants to go with the driveline. Flange and everything, would be so. good. Uh, now an yeah. Atlas would be a good o- option yeah, as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's already got this. He's already got it rebuilt and everything, and and uh, so it's going to be up to me to get it put in for him. So uh, well, happy to ha- happy to help out another. Well, here let me let me uh, let me give you some tips. Okay, stab it. Okay, wiggle it. Okay, turn the yoke. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Perfect spotting. You're, Thanks. You're set. Hey, can I give you a piece of pizza? <laughs> <laughs> then I should be fun. I, it's been a been a long time since I worked on a Wagoneer. Uh, I, I haven't. Geez, I don't. I don't think I've worked on one in the last uh, few three to five years at least. So it's, yeah, it's going to be fun to get back uh, get back underneath a Wagoneer. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that this weekend as well. Pictures. Well, hey, do you guys want to join in on the campfire side chat? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com/slash/contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Now let's get into some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. And don't forget to let us know about your event that you have going on, or maybe it's a charity, a toy drive, a Christmas tree run, whatever. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, click and fill out our wheeling wear form. And uh, that information will go to us and we'll get it out here on the air. Coming up on December 8th, we have the annual Christmas toy run at the Adventure Off-Road Park. Uh, This is happening at, of course, the Adventure Off-Road Park in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Uh, we also have coming up in December 15th, on December 15th, rather, uh, the Off-Road Consulting uh, Company presents Off-Road 101 Instruction Class. This is happening at Roush Creek Off-Road Park in Pine, Pine Grove, PA. If uh, you are new to off-roading uh, or maybe you want to introduce somebody in your family to off-roading, this would be the perfect opportunity. Get that 101 class underneath your belt and, uh, well, be a little more prepared off-road. 
Of course, for more information on these events or any of the events that we've ever talked about here on the Jeep Talk Show, just visit our website, jeeptalkshow.com, and check out the episode for uh, the show notes for the episode that you're listening to. We'll have the links there. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to help us take over the Jeep world and get a friend to subscribe to the show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. So imagine, if you will, a 200-pound Jeep talk show host sitting on Santa's lap, wondering if he should pee himself just for the sake of what would happen next. Needless to say, I now have to drive an extra three miles to get my groceries. Some stores just don't have a sense of humor anymore. Podcasting since 2010. Hey, not ready for the show to be over? Well, we can understand that. Now you can hear more Jeep Talk Show goodness by installing the Jeep Talk Show app. Just go to Apple or Google Store, search for Jeep Talk Show, and hit that install button. Not only will you have the latest episode, but our entire library of shows. Plus, and only on the Jeep Talk Show app, you'll have access to bonus content. Look for the bonus content icon on the Jeep Talk Show app and hear what goes on after the interview and after the show. You, you only see a, a fraction of it here on the show. Uh, you know, I'm a complete goofball in real life. So, um, yeah. And, you know, so we, we laugh a lot to our own jokes here on the show. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that join in on the fun. They laugh with us, but there's also a lot of people that I know just like, what is he laughing at? These guys are dorks. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I just, you know, I, I didn't even, I didn't even read it. I just can't believe that you actually write something down or you're thinking it in your head and you think it's appropriate in my <laughs> company to yeah. say no the appropriate for you to say in my where i can hear uh, a 12 inch gong i mean oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute i'm being no, baited they're, here they're, this is too easy they're, they're, <laughs> there there are those times where where i know that i you know i'm and i don't know it when i'm writing it but as soon as the words leave my mouth <laughs> yes. it's like oh I, I, I shouldn't have, you know, I should have said.